Hello, welcome back to the Unraveling Time Show. I am John Doe, and today we have two special guests on our podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Gilman, University of Brampton, professor of uh, English Literature. Thanks for having us. My name is Bill Doris, and I'm a professional researcher for Zajana Truth. She was born in 1797 and died in 1883, and was an abolitionist and women's rights activist. It's my pleasure. I'd like to ask you guys a few things about yourself before we get the show started. Yeah. Yeah, we're open to any questions uh, you may have. The same goes for me. So let's go back to the roots of history in the 1700s, and let's talk about romantic poetry. Sure. I'd love to. Speaking of the 1700s, Mary Wollstonecraft was born in 1759. I'll hand the rest over to Mr. Vilman, who knows most about this topic. Okay. First, I'll give you a quick overview of the life of Mary Wollstonecraft. Sure, that sounds great. I also did a little research on my part, so hopefully I can add on. So, the story of Mary Wollstonecraft is very interesting. She was born on uh, April 27th, 1759, in Spitalfield, London. Her grandfather was a successful weaver, and uh, because of this, they were initially quite well off. However, her father was irresponsible with uh, money and not good at handling it. Uh, he attempted to establish himself as a farmer, but failed to be successful. At a young age, Mary became very liberal, and uh, she had radical ideas. Uh, Mary's mother died in 1781, and uh, after her mother's death, Mary went on to live with her close friend, Fanny. She later established a school with Fanny and two of her uh, uh, younger sisters, which eventually failed. And she began to work as a government governess. Uh, by this time, she had already started writing books. Uh, Wollstonecraft wrote her most famous book, A Vindication of the Rights of a Woman, in 1791, after she wrote A Vindication of the Rights of Man. Uh, she later traveled to France and wrote a second edition. Uh, this is where she met an American merchant named Gilbert Imlay. She fell in love with him and uh, they had an Ill illegitimate child. Emily, however, was not what she expected and cut ties with him. In 1795, she later met with William Godwin. They became lovers and married in 1797. Uh, she was happy with Godwin and had a child, Mary Shelley, who'd go on to write uh, Frankenstein. Sadly, Mary Wollstonecraft died during childbirth. All right, thanks for that overview. Why don't you tell us about her impact on the romantic period? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, however, uh, I'm only going to talk about her vindication pieces due to lack of time. Okay, first let's talk about uh, a vindication of the rights of man. She wrote this book as a response to Edmund Burke regarding his pro-aristocratic and uh, monarchical views. Mary completely disagreed with him, of course, uh, and she, be she believed in republicanism and uh, was strongly against a ruling aristocratic party. She showed that uh, she was strongly against privilege as a birthright. Uh, and this is also when she talks about uh, equality and her feminist views for the first time. And what about her most famous book, A Vindication of the Rights of Women? Oh yeah, I was just about to start on that. Uh, so in this book, she wrote about how women were being treated as property as, by men. Uh, women were being treated as ornaments and fragile creatures that needed to be protected by men. Mary Wollstonecraft was one of the first people to challenge this ideal. She believed that women had the same ability to do things as men, and the best way to harness this ability was through education. 
Her belief was that if women were educated and treated as more than fragile ornaments, that the nation would be able to increase its prosperity and success on a world stage. She also believed that wives should be treated as companions by their husbands, not possessions. And uh, she also talked about how women ha had the same sexual urges as men and that women should feel no shame in enjoying coitus. The impacts of her work were significant because women slowly began to realize that society had to change. And she was one of the first people to advocate for this. Sadly, during her lifetime and even much later, things had not changed to the extent that she had hoped. Women did not start being educated for a long time after her death. And the vote came only relatively recently. And I wanted to add that it was not just women that were being treated like property. It was a group of people who had a different race. I'm talking about slavery, and it was a big issue during its time. As liberalism was a big philosophy in the Romantic era, people started raising awareness towards having equality for everyone, mostly directed towards people of color, since they didn't have many rights before this time. They were mainly treated as property and were not viewed as other human beings. Even for many court cases about slavery in the Romantic period, they were about property disputes rather than basic human rights. Now, this proves that not many people during this time cared about treating others as the same just because of their skin color. Even many poets did not come out to support anti-slavery because they thought that the public would strongly disagree with them. However, those who did, and were poets, mainly wrote about sentimental topics regarding basic human rights and equality for everyone. Anyways, thanks for that explanation. It's very interesting to learn about Mary Wollstonecraft and her views. Sojourner was also a feminist, but she directed most of her focus towards slavery and talking about slave rights. Most of her poems and speeches address both of these topics. Wait, didn't you just start talking about Sojourner Truth before? Can you tell us a little bit more about her? Yes, as I previously mentioned, she was a women's rights activist and a hard-fought abolitionist, and was best known for her speech, Ain't I a Woman. Here's a snippet of what it would have sounded like, as the original recording doesn't exist. May I say a few words? I want to say a few words about this matter. I am a woman's right. I have as much muscle as any man and can do as much work as any man. She gave the speech in 1851, which is 14 years before slavery was officially abolished in the US. As you can see, she made a lot of references to Christianity, and that's because she was a Methodist and strongly believed in God. Everything she dictated has some sort of Bible reference or religious aspect, including this one. In the Romantic era of poetry, religion was included by many poets in their writing, like Coldridge, Blake, and even Woodsworth, and as you can see, she was very straightforward with her message and what she was trying to get across. What is interesting about this poem compared to others is that she thinks critically and criticizes both feminist and abolitionists for being biased. Fem feminism to, uh, for being biased towards white females and abolitionism for being biased to males. She talks about how God made them equal and how God loves them no matter their skin color. She was also a liberalist and fought for equal rights for everyone. These beliefs influenced her poetry and the speeches that she gave. Alright, and tell us a little bit more about her past. Well, did you know that she was a slave for almost 30 years before escaping? And after escaping, she took part in a lot of movements. She became a feminist, abolitionist, and a methodist. A few years later, she became the first black woman to successfully challenge a white male in court. Uh, she, she did this in a case where she was trying to free her son, who was illegally sold as a slave to the South, and won. This was never done before, 
and gave oppressed people, both women and slaves, a sign of hope. She encouraged other women and uh, slaves to stand up for themselves and fight for their rights. She was a powerful woman and had a lot of influence. At one time in her life, she even met Abraham Lincoln, the president at the time, and told him about all the struggles of her life and what she had to go through. But even after all of this, she was still denied the right to vote when she was turned down from the polling station in 1872. And that showed her that although she got far in women's rights and even seen uh, slavery officially abolished in her lifetime, she still had a long way to go. And she kept writing poems and talking about abolitionism and feminism. It's also mind-blowing how slavery was still continuing in the South of the United States of America before the official abolishment by Abraham Lincoln. The Missouri Compromise had abolished slavery, but the South did not have the same views, and this sparked a four-year civil war between the two ends of America. The North was anti-slavery, and on the other hand, the South did not agree with the abolition of slavery. Many people had led rebellions in order to gain their rights, such as Nat Turner, who was an escaped slave that had started a rebellion, but was quickly shut down by the militia and was later hanged. However, it was through this war that slavery had gotten abolished all across America and those of color were finally free again. And did Sir Jenner choose to dictate anything else? Yes, she did dictate other books and poems. This is because she wasn't literate. She grew up as a slave and didn't learn how to read or write. And that's why there's no 100% accurate copy of all her poems or speeches, as she never wrote anything herself. So overall, what do you believe was her impact on poetry? I already mentioned before that her powerful speeches gave female and black writers and inspiration, and many romantic poets use her as an example of what they want to do and what they want to be, and modern poets still do. She was one of the earliest poets to actually talk about abolitionism, and one of the more early ones for feminism too. She had a lasting impact on what the poets in America wrote about. Since it was the 1800s, and things like YouTube didn't exist, she really wasn't able to spread these poems and speeches to Europe, but she did make herself known, and became a role model in America. Alright, I believe that covers everything for this episode. And I really appreciate you guys dropping by for the podcast. Okay, yeah. Thanks uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, great time. Thanks for joining us on the second episode of Unraveling Time. I'd like to thank our guests for coming today. And be sure to follow us on Anchor for more episodes, Unraveling Time on iTunes. And there's always new episodes out every Friday. And we hope to see you. Tune in next week. Thank you.